Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a video and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today, I'm privileged to have a very, very accomplished entrepreneur and a fellow IPO member, Nitish Mittasen, in our show. Nitish, welcome to the show. Sure. Thank you, Ashutosh, for having me here. Thank you. Nitish is the founder and managing director of Nazara Technologies, which is a gaming and sports media company. He has operations in 64 countries. His traditional family business is in textiles. He plays the saxophone. And as I mentioned a little while ago, he's a member of the YPO. So Nitish, what would you say are three key milestones in your life or your career? Yeah, sure. I think uh, one key milestone right at the start of my life was when my father, for some reason, decided to buy me a ZX Spectrum when I was six years old. And uh, that, uh, I believe, uh, really put me down a path which I'm still traveling, right? Mm. But I think that was a key milestone for me right at the start of my journey. The second, I would say, is when I started uh, Nazara when I was in college in Mumbai. Mm. Well, you know, when I was about, I think, 19 years old that time, at the cusp of the dot com boom in 99. So I think that was the second uh, milestone for me. Mm-hmm. And the third, I think, I believe we are right on the cusp of it because the company goes uh, public as the first gaming company to do its IPO in India mm-hmm. uh, this month. I'm hoping that will soon become my third milestone. Wonderful. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to your IPO. So, you know, before I get into discussions on Nazara, what made you decide not to go in the family business and to take gaming as a career? So, I think, uh, like I mentioned, you know, uh, I, at six, uh, when my dad gave me this, I'd expect him, uh, I got completely engrossed into technology, computers, mm-hmm. and I think after that, I never looked back. I never, by the time I was in college, I was already thinking of tech businesses and what can I do around it. Gaming was my passion. Mm-hmm. I thought India could be a huge opportunity for gaming. It didn't exist as a market at that point of time. But uh, all that all logic pointed to a fact that you know, being a big country, a young country, mm-hmm. at some point of time, game will become large. Mm-hmm. And uh, keeping that in mind, I just about started it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So let's now talk a little bit about Nazara Technologies. Tell me about what you do here. So Nidish, let's talk about uh, Nazara Technologies for all our viewers and listeners. Tell me about what Nazara Technologies does. So, so Nazara is a diversified gaming and sports media platform. We have about 50 million users, 50 million users a month uh, currently accessing uh, the network. And uh, we have uh, different verticals that we operate in within the overall gaming and sports media space. So to give you an example, whether it's casual mobile games, today in India, you know, there are hundreds of millions of users with Android phones. That's a big consumer market that we can access. Correct. Uh, whether it is the esports space, which is becoming very uh, you know exciting, mm-hmm. we operate in that. We operate in the sports simulation space. We own a franchise called World Cricket Championship, which is the most popular cricket game in the world. Correct. Uh, we own Kidopia, which is an extremely popular uh, gamified early learning app for kids in the age of two to seven. Mm-hmm. It's a top five app in the US. Wow. So there are a bunch of diversified businesses that we operate. Mm-hmm. In India as well as uh, the US uh, uh, and other emerging markets, we operate in about 50 plus countries, mm-hmm. including the Middle East, Africa. It's a business we've evolved over a period of time. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, we, I set up the company in 99. Mm-hmm. 
we pivoted and we evolved over a period of time mm-hmm. but but i really believe that you know this decade that we are in is really the decade of gaming uh, for india mm-hmm. where uh, gaming is going to become much larger than almost all other entertainment forms or entertainment modes put together mm-hmm. whether you talk about the indian movie industry or the ott players etc mm-hmm. as is in the us etc i think even in india gaming is going to become a much larger industry industry this decade Really, so, that's what we're going after. No, you're absolutely right, and it's so fascinating. But uh, tell me, you know, you said you pivoted. What did you start off as, and uh, then what did you move into? Sure. So you know, in the, right in the beginning, we actually mobile phones didn't even exist. Data capable phones when I started, nineteen nine two thousand. So we were more of an online destination for Indian thematic based gaming. Okay. Uh, so it was more casual games which you could. Login online on Nazara.com, mm. but in the early years we found that difficult to monetize. And as the mobile phones came in, your Android devices started coming in. We kind of pivoted there mm. and started focusing on businesses around mobile phones. Mm. And that was very important pivot for us because India was, you know, has been a mobile first gaming country. Mm. You know, because of the lack of penetration at homes of uh, let's say PCs or consoles. Mm. the real gaming took off only when the mobile phone revolution happened in india mm. it was good that we pivoted at the right time into that you know segment because that has allowed us to grow and scale up right very interesting so when you were scaling up you know yeah. one of the problems that most startups face yeah is that they are not able to scale up well yeah you have scaled up globally what were some of your challenges yeah so i think uh, we had the luxury of taking our own sweet time to figure things out and uh, that uh, you know allowed us to face challenges figure out a way around them and uh, you know move ahead so i can cite a couple of examples maybe uh, you know right in, in the 2000 when i started the company the dot com crash happened right. and 2 3 years was a big struggle in terms of getting revenues or financially sustaining yourself but in 2004 uh we kind of thought that we will uh, you know we were building these cricket games mm-hmm. and i thought that you know why not get a endorsement by sachin tendulkar and put him into the game mm-hmm. so i'll share a story there right yeah. so so i reached out to his agents and 6 months later i was sitting in sachin's home trying to uh, do a deal with him and he really loved the concept uh, all credit to him you know he got it that it would be a great youth connect mm-hmm. then he told me you know that his endorsement fees those days used to run at a million dollars a year mm. and that's what he told me to pay mm. at that point of time i could afford 10000 a year <laughs> and that's what i offered huh. we, we struck a deal somewhere close to 30000 a year i think mm. so i think a lot of such you know ways where we kind of punched above our weight and managed to get through mm-hmm. which normally in theory would not be practical mm. Uh, allowed us to keep growing i think the other thing is the early years taught us unlike many startups or many tech startups mm-hmm. early years taught us that if we had to sustain ourselves we had to focus a lot on cash flows and profitable businesses and not chase only vanity metrics mm-hmm. i think that became ingrained in the dna of the company mm-hmm. the other thing that became ingrained was you know in tech businesses especially new tech businesses it's very easy to get uh, fascinated or enamored by the new technology right and you know just focus on what's the cool thing that you're doing mm-hmm. other than is it also going to make me some money right mm-hmm. and i always tell my team that you know let's uh, let's 
be cutting edge but let's uh, let's stand one step behind the cutting edge mm-hmm. because right at the cutting edge you will be bleeding profusely mm-hmm. and uh, i think that's what we practiced also so we've kind of been pragmatic when it comes to doing new technology but also with a having a business cap on i think the third thing ashutosh i learned you know once i saw a documentary when i was in college on mohammad ali mm-hmm. and there was this one uh, phrase that really stuck to me which is a uh, float like a butterfly sting like a bee yes i don't know why it stuck to me but it stuck to me and i kept thinking about it mm-hmm. and then i actually in- incorporated a lot of my own derived meanings out of this quote mm-hmm. into my business mm-hmm. and just to talk a bit more about that right uh, float like a butterfly for me meant i need to be extremely light mm-hmm. and uh, to be extremely light i said i'm going to stay completely away from debt mm-hmm. because debt is heavy and it will weigh me down i am going to stay completely away from uh, litigation because litigation will entangle me and i will never be able to float like a butterfly mm-hmm. uh, i will remain very asset light type of business uh, because again that will allow me to float mm-hmm. so these are the ways i kind of incorporated that into my own business and uh, actually it's paid off paid off very well for me over the years amazing you know you you much much younger than me but i remember mohammad ali's this common and, and also his song i mean the same float like a butterfly sting like a bit's a very powerful line yeah so nitish you know the gaming business whatever little i know of it uh you know people can keep moving from one game to the other yeah what are some of the major changes the gaming business faces across the whole world yeah yeah so i think as you said consumer preferences keep changing mm-hmm. technology keeps changing and as the technology moves what the consumer wants to consume in terms of gaming entertainment significantly changes it's not easy for one game or one developer to straddle across platforms across these technology shifts and that's why you see a lot of companies and a lot of game developers become one hit wonders right and some very big names i mean angry birds is a classic example absolutely which became so big and made billions of dollars but they were really not able to follow it up uh with a you know new franchise that was equally as uh, popular mm-hmm. i think that's one thing that you have to always contend with mm-hmm. and i think moving consumer preferences in markets like india you have global competition because a indian consumer uh, has access to everything right he can download a local game or he can download an american game it's all available freely to him mm-hmm. i think there's heavy competition entry to vary uh, barriers of entry are low and uh, these are the things i think a lot of business is content but we also content in the gaming business i think from a india market perspective also mm-hmm. uh, traditionally the kind of talent that has been available in india has not been so steeped in gaming culture so you are a, a bit at a disadvantage as an indian developer mm-hmm. compared to let's say some of the global developers some of the chinese developer but that's changing very fast i've seen in the last few years the talent pool in india uh, increased significantly and now indian companies are able to compete actually at the global landscape okay and is language an important factor in this or not really no uh, it depends on market to market so india is a fairly open country uh, i think language today is not a big barrier for games to come in it may give you a cultural edge especially if they are more mass market games going to the you know uh, roots of india the depths of india but not so much if you go to markets like china mm-hmm. uh, culturally language becomes far more important to make sure your game is in the local chinese language okay 
Yeah. Okay. Again, you mentioned, you know, that one of the things that you established very early that you will stay just one step behind the technology. Yeah. But technology is continuously changing. Yeah. And therefore, you have to keep innovating to stay ahead of the technology curve all the time. How do you manage to do that? Yeah, I think uh, so. That too, I think uh, what I really meant was we stay one step behind the technology curve at the cutting edge of technology. Okay. Uh, from a business perspective, mm-hmm. so we have a R and D department that will keep doing innovation and new technology and staying one step ahead of hopefully staying one step ahead of the cutting edge of technology also. Mm-hmm. But as a business, we tend to focus our energies on making sure that the business we are doing. is also monetizable um, let me give you an example virtual reality right vr has been spoken about for many years mm. right as the next big thing in gaming mm. and the reality is it is the next big thing in gaming it will disrupt gaming like nothing has ever before mm-hmm. so it will completely put you inside the game right mm. uh, but if i had started focusing the entire business on vr 5 years back mm-hmm. i would be standing today and not having monetized much <laughs> well said so i think i think that's so i could have a small team doing experiments in vr mm-hmm. but if i say i want to get into the business of vr i want to set up a big setup you know today when the monetization is not happening very well said it's about it's about timing very well said yeah so you know uh, moving on you know you built this into an incredible company which is now preparing or ready for its ipo what are some of the core values you believe in few i already spoke about mm-hmm. which is we are very averse to debt mm-hmm. uh, we are very averse to litigation and i am happy to say in the last 20 years of our existence we have zero history of litigation okay and uh, i think that's uh, from a belief that i personally have that you know the time spent in negative energy even if half half the time is spent in doing something positive mm-hmm. uh, we probably in the longer period progress a lot more Okay. and that's why we try and stay away from you know stuff like litigation as much as we can okay. uh i think being asset light has been important mm-hmm. uh for us uh as a business because in technology businesses it allows you to kind of be flexible adapt and move faster mm-hmm. i think the, the other thing as a company i've always tried to myself do and also tell my team is you know uh, always wake up in the morning and be have the confidence to see yourself in the mirror and see the truth right so in business uh, you need i mean today we can think you know we are the first gaming company we are going ipo and get all full about it mm-hmm. but uh, in our businesses you know things change very fast mm-hmm. and unless you are firmly your feet are firmly planted on the ground you can have a rude awakening mm-hmm. and i think being very mindful of that mm-hmm. uh, for us as individuals working in the company and the company itself is extremely important i think that's right that's i think these are the few things we tend to be mindful of and you know you must be leading a large team of young people right what is your leadership style yeah i think uh, it's fairly decentralized we try and empower them although i do still after so many years also have the weakness of sometimes becoming a micromanager mm-hmm. uh, and getting into too much detail Mm-hmm. Uh, i've tried to uh, improve on that but it uh, doesn't happen mm-hmm. uh, but uh, i try to be as decentralized today the structure we have we have actually what we call a friends of nazara network so within our group we have acquired almost 13 14 companies that operate independently mm-hmm. by their own founders and management teams mm-hmm. 
and uh, those uh, we completely empower them so we give full operational freedom mm. and trust them to do the right thing mm. while trying to add value wherever we can so i think that's a kind of uh, structure we're really working with today very interesting so let's move uh, to the next segment of our conversation which is some questions for you as a startup entrepreneur because we've got thousands of young people who will now look at yeah. you and learn so my first question to you is what are some of the basic mistakes a lot of startup entrepreneurs make yeah i think uh, one is uh, having the ambition to uh, you know get rich uh, very fast mm. i think rather than focusing on the business if you start up with the thought you know that i'll make 100 million dollars in 2 years mm. i think that's the approach i think we need to first focus on what is the product or what is Correct. Uh, they are really trying to do rather than just chasing the you know pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Uh, I think second is perseverance, and I'm speaking from my own experiences, right? As of mistakes that I have made, uh, right? Uh, I think uh, perseverance, uh, and I got taught those lessons uh, early in life, luckily. But uh, I think it's very easy to lose faith in anything you try. and then keep shifting to something other something other i think focusing and try sometimes persevering uh, more than what's uh, looks logical mm-hmm. can actually lead you to the treasure okay. and for us for example in the early years right right from 2000 to as much as 2007 gaming was always a mirage it always looked like you know the next year gaming will take off in india and next year would arrive and it would be nowhere and then you would think you know maybe next year is going to take off right. uh, so we persevered maybe we didn't have much options also mm. so uh, we persevered but that's allowed us to today become the first gaming company to go public in india but uh, but many times i felt you know that maybe i'm just uh, chasing uh, you know the wrong path mm. uh, in the early years and i could have you know uh, got out of it very interesting wouldn't be yours so i think that's the second thing i think the third thing is chasing vanity metrics you know when i started the dot com was all about page views and how many users you get and all of that mm. with no head or tail about business model mm. and i realized that when the music stops playing uh, then chasing these vanity metrics can be very dangerous put in context to today's consumer based uh, tech businesses i think it's very important for startup founders to ensure that the product ltv and cac the lifetime value and the cost of acquisition they are acquiring those key equations are well settled before you really try to scale up in terms of user base and uh, you know uh, revenues but otherwise you're just burning a lot of money and being dependent on vcs mm-hmm. the last thing i want to share is uh be a uh, more possessive about the equity in your company mm. i diluted a lot at early stage which today i regret mm. uh and uh, i think uh, if startup founders can find ways to monetize mm. and create revenues on which they can grow mm. rather than just take the first check that comes in from an investor is also a good thing from a long term perspective it might be slightly tougher road to follow but that might be very useful in the longer term very very good advice i mean i'm sure everyone who's going to listen to you will learn a lot from this so nidhi sham i've got time for maybe three questions for you personally which is the last segment sure. of the conversation 
Um, as you look back from where you stand, having built an amazing gaming company and you know doing amazing things, what does success mean to you today? Sure, uh, you know it's uh, unfortunate, but uh, I don't find myself or I don't think uh, of myself as successful. I'm always very restless mm. in terms of where I am. and i always have the feeling that i'm missing out <laughs> on what i could have achieved or what i could have been so honestly to me it means nothing in that sense and a follow up question from that is who or what inspires you i know when i was reading about you you said your grandfather inspired you a lot sure of course so my grandfather you know he was an eminent cardiologist dr b k goel don't mm-hmm. uh, one of the only doctors to be awarded the, all the three padma awards wow uh, so uh, i grew up looking at him and uh, i think the biggest inspiration i drew from him was not his success but uh, his humbleness his positivity uh, you know and his the love and the affection that he had mm-hmm. uh, despite being so you know so successful mm-hmm. and i think that was something that really inspired me i saw that also with my mentor uh, shami kapoor the legendary actor shami kapoor who was my mentor for over two decades mm-hmm. i saw very similar characteristics in terms of the positivity they emanated i think those were great learnings for me amazing so my next question to you is on failure and you know i often said uh, yeah. people in india or south asia don't teach children it's okay to fail and yet we keep yeah. failing all the time so my question to you is what has been some of your biggest learnings from some of your mistakes so uh, i think we covered some of it uh, it might get a bit repetitive but uh, i think uh, for me one of the biggest learnings was in the early years when i was doing nazara.com mm-hmm. chasing page views and you know vanity metrics mm-hmm. i lost a lot of money and then i realized uh, that you know that it was a big struggle for me i often joke to a lot of people that you know i originally had thought of going and doing an mba in the us mm-hmm. uh, in harvard or wherever uh, because i started my company while studying here in college that never happened mm-hmm. but i probably did a far more ex- expensive and far more enriching mba sitting right here in mumbai right <laughs> by learning those lessons at that point of time so i think uh, being very pragmatic about what you are trying to do mm-hmm. was important at one point of time i got swayed by the dot com boom and i had to pay for that so i think uh, you have to uh, you know learn from your failures and my biggest learning is uh, as a famous johnny walker slogan says right keep walking as long as uh, you stand up and you keep moving ahead uh, you will get somewhere thanks very interesting nitish thank you so much examples you gave are really really valuable thank you again and i wish you lots of success for your ipo my pleasure sudosh thank you again for having me thank you Thank you for listening to the brand called You video cast and podcast. A platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You